All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. morning everybody welcome to another episode of dropping the gloves tim's here i'm here everybody the whole gang's here tim how are you doing i'm good it's friday how bad could i be is friday your your favorite day is that is that the day where you just let loose you're excited for the weekend because you really don't have a job that ties you down to anything so is friday just like blend into the rest of the other days now Let's talk about that just for a second. Yeah, I, I quit my job in the middle of October was my last day. And I've been spending the last two months almost exactly um, focusing more on the podcast and doing a lot of freelance. And it's great because I'm able to get the revenue and income I need with not nearly as much time commitment. And so like the weekends are not a big deal anymore. Days and nights are not a big deal anymore. Like Mondays, I don't dread. Like I like the work that I'm doing and it's great, but it's kind of disorienting too. It's like, geez, what day is it? And like, did I, how much work did I do? You know what I mean? And I, and I still do it in like little spurts, but I'm not sitting in my desk for eight hours a day anymore. Um, it's great, but it is, it is confusing. So yeah, Friday is not really a big deal for me anymore. It's not. It's the new normal. This seems to be like how your age bracket works. There's there's no defined work week anymore. And COVID well, just amplified that. I, I feel like people are just kind of figuring out their schedule. It's very strange. I think it's more to do with the location, like the remote work thing. But there's still most people are still tied to their desk for large chunks of the day. And like doing your own freelance thing and building a business is is different. And I'm still it's still very new for me, but I'm enjoying it so far. Speaking of tied to the desk, Tim's a hero because his back hurts in his chair. And so he's having to sit in that chair during the podcast just because of the the way the camera works in the backdrop. And I'm just impressed. You're, you're, you're really battling through this back injury, Tim. For the last two weeks, I only sit in this chair for this podcast. And I like notice like this week we recorded Monday, Tuesday because of grave. So we haven't done it for two days. I'm like, gee, my back's been feeling great. And I know, like, in 25 minutes, I'm going to be just in a bad mood for the rest of the day because of it. It's bad. Just, just buy a chair. Buy a different I know. chair. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to do it this weekend. All right. <laughs> well, I got some good news. GiveBetter.com is a company that exists in the world, and you can go there and do all your sports gambling through GiveBetter. It is a fantastic company. 
Go to GiveBetter.com. Tell them we sent you. We gave out the tickets last week. It was a fantastic, the most heartwarming thing I've ever done, I would say, ever. It was fantastic, and it's all through Give Better. They are the responsible sports gambling partner that turns your losses into charity donations. We're going to have the uh, the inventor of the company on Friday, Bo Gray. I'm very excited. His new app, Tim, he sent me over the beta version, it's called. It's awesome. It's absolutely flawless. So I'm, I'm excited to unveil that. It's it's a really neat thing that I think is going to actually... I think it... I don't want to say this lightly. It could it could, could be a pretty impressive uh, app company. Like, I don't know. It's pretty neat. But he's going to come on Friday. Go to getbetter.com. Tell him we sent you. It's going to be fun. What are you going to say, Tim? You're pretty plugged into like the, the tech revolution happening with apps and, and all that stuff. Is this going to be in the sandbox as well? Oh, that sandbox sucked, didn't it? Remember we had Vic, all our listeners. Do you remember we had Victor Hedman on last year and he was talking about that, the the online AI metaverse, meta, metaverse yeah. and you're going to go in the sandbox and all the, all the people are going to be uh, on the metaverse. It's as he was talking to me about it in my head, I said, this is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. The only reason we had him on was to talk to Victor Hedman, but Victor wanted to talk about this dumb metaverse. It's a complete failure. This is different. This is, I am not a tech guy, and I am excited about this because I downloaded the app, and I was having fun on it, and I was blown away. I said, this is a, this is very cool. I could get behind this. You know me, Tim. I, I could care less about technology at all. I am anti-anything. I still have an iPhone 6 for Pete's sake. And the only reason I have that is because my boss gave it to me. I had an iPhone 4 that I was using, and it was perfectly fine. So this this app's going to be uh, it's going to be really, really fun. But anyways, pretty cool moment this week. Uh, Spotify does their annual how many minutes you've listened to this podcast, that podcast. It gives you the rankings of where you came in compared to everybody else in the world. I got a buddy he sent me. He was in the 11th percentile. Shout out to Neil Witkowski for the Drop in the Gloves podcast. He got one-upped by one of our listeners. Tim, who's this Who's this kid who's one of our, our favorite listeners? I'm very excited for him. Yeah, I'm going to give a special shout-out to Sammy Senko from White Rock, British Columbia. Columbia. He's eight years old, and he's in the top 0.5% of listeners over 8,000 minutes listened in 2023 so far. So shout out to Sammy. Thanks for listening, buddy. He might get to 10,000 minutes. That's a lot. Good for him. Yeah. Good for I, him. It is. He's good parents. Let his kid listen to us other than all that other trash. Keep it here. Family friendly. You learn a lot. Good for him. Shout out to Sammy. If I ever get out to uh, White Rock, I'll look you up. It's, it seems like it's beautiful, Tim. Right on the coast. Very, very scenic area. Lots of orca whales. Have you ever seen an orca in the wild, Tim? I have not. Have you? No, I've not. I've seen one movie, so they look amazing. All right, moving on. Ryan Graves. I like to do the reactions. You know, what did you think of the interview? A lot of times we press end the interview, and I'm just like, that stunk. Never again. I hate it. I didn't. I didn't get that feeling. I thought thought it was a good interview. What did you think of Ryan? Were you just like enamored by him? No, I like it though. He's one of like the guys that we would call our normal guests that it's just like talking to anyone where he's it doesn't feel like he's like a a, a famous I mean he's no he's not that famous but like a professional um sometimes the guys just have a certain aura or way of talking that's a little bit out of reach I guess but he's very normal very down to earth that I really liked 
Um, interesting hearing him talking about Sid versus McKinnon versus Jack Hughes and even McCarr and how they their personalities are different, how they approach the game, how they see the game. That was really cool because you could tell he's thought about that question before, whether he's been asked or he's just in his noticing. He was ready to like, OK, here's how Sid is different from Nate, who models after Sid and this and that. So, yeah, I thought it was great. Has there ever been a player, and I was trying to think of some, maybe Yari Curry or even a Marty McSorley who got to ride shotgun with Wayne Gretzky his whole career. Has there ever been another player who has stepped into situations as prime as Ryan Graves has? He comes into the league and he gets to play with Kale McCarr. And he's like, okay, there you go. Oh, it works fine. I'll play with Kale McCarr. He leaves Kale, goes to New Jersey Devils, plays with Dougie Hamilton, another all-star. He leaves the hair for two years. Now he gets to play with Latang and Eric Carlson. It is the sweetest, easiest job to play with those guys if you know how to do it. It's it's not easy if you're trying to keep up with them. You have to learn just to let them go and you just come up behind them and clean up the mess that they make sometimes. But what what a gift. For a career to just to just ride in the coattails of all these guys and he signs a deal for 27 million dollars it's just amazing can you think of anybody else maybe a winger on it like an alex to brink it gets the right shotgun to caner something like that where you just like it's it's amazing i played for seven teams i have never played with the type of talent that he's played with and he's been on three teams like it's impressive jack hughes and crosby and mccarr and Landeskog and Rantanen and McKinnon, like these are Hall of Fame guys. The only team I think I played on that with that had the caliber was the 2011 Blackhawks. When we had Kane, Taves, Seabrook, Keith, Hosa, like the, it was a stacked team. Every other team I was on was a pedestrian team. Like he's he's hit it three years in a row. Jack Hughes, Hershire, Timo Meyer, like it's it's pretty impressive. I don't know that that's what I took out of that interview. I was like, man, you're pretty uh, fortunate, Ryan Graves. Well, the part of him talking about uh, Makar, where they like tried out all these different lefty defensemen, it didn't work out, and then he had instant chemistry. And it's mo- about more than like skill. Like the guys he mentioned, I forget who it was. He didn't say Taze, but maybe Gerard Ian Cole. and Ian Cole. Yeah, there's they're, a couple just stay-at-home guys who couldn't make it work. Right, and they're probably better Z- defensemen. Than yeah, yeah, um, or at least they contribute certain things very well. So it's not just about like talent; it's about like how well you can fit certain situations. And Graves just knows how to play with that type of defenseman really well. How much of that was like instinct and skill and versus like coaching and, and just chemistry, who knows? But yeah, really cool. There's a whole career to be made out of guys like that who can just compliment a, an elite player like that without taking anything away. And he did it really well. There's something to be said about humbling yourself and knowing like, okay, I'm not as good as this guy. I need to just stay out of his way and facilitate his skill set. Maximize what he can do. And what are you smiling at? I mean, that's that's your whole career, isn't it? I And I, I think I tried to do that because I knew I wasn't as good as other guys. So I would play with high-end guys, whether it was like America's Zedlicki or a Brian Campbell or these types of players when I was playing defense. And I, I literally would tell them, I said, what do you want me to do? And Soupy was the best. I played with Soupy in Chicago for a year or maybe a year and a bit. He would just say, go in the corner and get hit and I'll come and pick the puck up. So usually if the, the puck gets dumped in your corner, if I'm, I was a left, he was a right. If the puck would be dumped on the right side, Soupy would go and get it. Typically. I told him, I will go. I will go get buried and you come in and get the puck and break it out. And we did that successfully for a long time and it worked out great. And I, I had a great time playing with them. But then, yeah, the forward injuries happened and I just had to play forward because we were, it was a numbers game at that point. But gosh, it, it, 
most guys wouldn't like doing that. Most guys would want to handle the puck, prove that they can keep up with those types of players, and get some points. I could care less. I'm like, yeah, let's get it out of the zone as quick as we can, and you're an all-star. Like, let, let's go for it. So, yeah, Graves figures it out. He knows who better butters his bread, and it's Makar and it's Latang. Like, if you make those guys happy, you're you're not going anywhere. Like, they have that kind of power in the room and with the coaches, so good for him. All right, Tim. We had a season debut. <clears throat> the, the, the heavily talked about Patrick Kane. There was a, almost a, a dramatic soap opera where he's going to end up. There was rumors. There was um, lots, of, lots of nuggets all over the place. Where is he going to end up? One of the first rumors was he's going to play for Detroit because he's best buds with Alec Dabrinkit. Well, that one came true. He made his season debut yesterday. I thought it was a, a very easy game to ease into the San Jose Sharks, but I was I was wrong. San Jose Sharks are on fire. We'll get to them in a second. But Patrick Kainton, how did he do? His first game in how many months since his offseason hip surgery? Yeah, many. Um, he made his debut. He played 16 minutes, 33 seconds, which I thought was a lot for a debut yep. for a guy at his age who hasn't played in a while, coming off a major surgery. Um, so playing a lot was good. So he must have felt good. He must have been giving... It, uh, continual feedback throughout the game to the coaches and, and vice mm-hmm. versa. So um, they obviously liked what they saw and he was feeling good. And I read some reports that were not fact-based, more just observational, but they said he looks good out there. He looks confident. He's skating well. So um, yeah, didn't have any points in the night, but I think the bigger story is just this game. You know, it, it wasn't too much about Patrick Kane. It was about this back and forth game between the Sharks and the Red Wings where the Red Wings were up four to nothing. And then an eight-goal second period, the Sharks came back and tied it. They each score again in the third, and it goes to overtime, and the Sharks get a, a 2 on 0 breakaway when Backlund buries a, the backhand shot, the backdoor shot, I mean. Um, just a crazy, crazy back-and-forth game. And like you said, the Sharks are kind of doing something that no one expected them to do, right? Well, no one expected they're winning. I, I think that's what you're talking about. Everybody expected them just to be garbage. But, yeah. They're they're playing fairly well. They're they're beating teams that they have no business beating. The Red Wings are playing good. They were they were one of the better teams in the league coming into this game, and they're just getting production. Thomas Hurdle playing very very well. Ekman Eklund, excuse me, Grandland. You mentioned Michael Grandland playing really really good. So it's it's just a, a committee kind of thing. They don't have a high end guy other than Hurdle. Logan Couture has been out the whole season. I don't know what his timetable is, but I don't know. I don't understand it. Their goaltending still is garbage. You give up five goals, but it's just they seem to be winning games and they're scoring some goals. So good for San Jose. They are out of the basement. The worst team in the league now is the Chicago Blackhawks. So it's it's kind of neat that they're winning games. Yeah, so let's dig into this a little bit more with some stats. So since they lost those two games back-to-back where they let in 10 goals of each of those two games, which was a low point in the past, like, decade of hockey like it, it's pretty bad and they were had the worst start in, in nhl history in terms of their winning record since then they're technically above 500 eight seven and one during that stretch um which is really really cool and then they had a three goal comeback on tuesday and then a four goal comeback last night on thursday which brings them now to five and two in their last seven which is just about as hot as any team in the nhl right now obviously they're not a good team they're not going to be making anything interesting in a playoff run or anything like that. But I feel like they've earned a little bit of respect back um, around the league. To let, they're not an easy out anymore, at least not right now. And after the start that they had, at least they're now going to give each each team a hard a hard out every single night. 
Yeah, they're good. Like, they're not a bad team. They're not a rollover, like you said. So that's good. They have four decent lines, you know? I, I don't... <clears throat> Like they're not stocked with talent up and down the lineup, but they every I think every line has some aspect of a little bit of sandpaper, a little bit of offense, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I don't know. It's good for them. It's good for San Jose. They need to win. Like this, this is not a market that's going to sustain a team that's losing year after year after year, and it's been a lean couple years for the San Jose Sharks. So they need to start. They need to start winning some games and showing some progress and getting some some hope back on this team because. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to dig into this or no? Like, are we going to get into the Sharks right now? The the long term plans of this team because they still have Hurdle wrapped up. You still have Couture who's injured. You still have Vlasic for another two years after this year. Like the guy's still he signed on until twenty five twenty six. So you're not getting out from under his contract anytime soon. So I don't know if if you want to dig into what we can, but I think we put a pass on this. The bright side of the Sharks, I will say. Much like a few other teams we've documented, they will have a lot of options after this season. They have so many guys coming off the books who are making a lot of money. Like Kevin LeBanc. Everybody, everybody's all in on Kevin LeBanc. He's going to change the game. He's young kid coming in. He's the bright spot for the San Jose Sharks. They signed him to a pretty big ticket. I think it was $4.75 million for a few years. He's coming off the books. By the way, he has just been an abject disaster ever since he signed that contract. Right, I think it was 2018, 19, or nineteen twenty, where he went out and he had some big, big uh, seasons. He stunk since then, absolutely stunk. He's got one goal this year. He's coming off the books. Some other guys are coming off the books. They're they're going to have roughly forty to forty million to spend. Tim, it's a lot of do re mi. So, and then uh, did you hear that the cap projection for next year was released? It's like eighty. 7 million, I want to say, 88 million. So not quite the 91 million that Gary was throwing around before the season, but it's good. It's a start. A little more room than we thought. Just drives me nuts when guys like him are just teasing out these little, these little nuggets just to keep you on the line, just to keep you happy and just to keep you satisfied for a few more weeks. You know, it's just drives me nuts when people do that. We got a guy at the Nation Network who does that with sponsors. So he'll always be like, got a big deal coming through the pipeline. I think I know you were doing that, Tim, but I'm I'm an honest cat. I'll just tell it like it is. And I called him out, and I'm like, stop dangling carrots, man. If you're going to get a deal for us, good. But just stop saying, oh, we got four dealerships. They want to put a huge deal. I'm like, no, they don't. You're just saying that. You sent them, like, a message through their portal. They don't listen to our show, so I don't care. But anyways, moving on. The San Jose Sharks are winning. Kane is in the lineup. He was minus one. Debrinkit was minus two. That line, not a lot of offense generated. I didn't watch the whole game. Cause for concern to him already. Kane didn't get a point in his first game. Yeah, yeah, bad contract. Bad decision by Iserman, and <clears throat> they should just look at a buyout. The Iser plan's blowing up. Moving on, the <laughs> LA Kings out west. Should we talk about this team, Tim? They're 11-0. and 11-0 in their last 11 games. Longest road winning streak to start the season. Sorry, 11-0 on the road. Yeah. Why is no one talking about this LA Kings team? They are on fuego. Well, I feel like people are now. So this is the longest streak in NHL history to start the season on the road, um, which is just crazy. And I was reading some of the quotes from the guys, and they were just talking about how much they take pride in that, uh, of, which, which is really challenging. We talked about that. Just You're traveling, you're not sleeping in your bed, you're, the schedule's all messed up. 
Um, and so being a, a tough road team is really, really good. It also speaks really well. If they can keep this going, obviously they're going to lose at some point. But if they can continue being a tough road team in the playoffs, that's a huge, huge difference maker. Um, one of the, the major points for them so far has been the arrival of Quinton Byfield, who was a high mm-hmm. lottery pick, I think third overall four or five years yep. ago. Um, 21 points so far in 23 games. He's got four goals and five points in his past three games. I feel like the patience has paid off for this guy. Patience for the Kings. I'm waiting for him. I'm giving him more time, letting him develop. Because you look at his stats and slow stats, slow stats, didn't really break out. You know, was I wouldn't say disappointing, but like you wanted more from him. You know, his first year, he played six games, one point. Next year, 10 points in 40 games, 22 points in 53 games. Now he's already at 21 in half as many games this year. So he's definitely going to arrive. I think he's probably going to clear 70 points this year. Does this at any way, does it model like what the Rangers should keep doing with Lafreniere or some of the other guys who have been slower to break out? Because you look at him, it's like, okay, maybe it takes a few more years for some people. Well, same draft class as Lafreniere. Byfield was two. Lafreniere was one. So I do think this adds credence to the fact that these guys need a little seasoning sometimes. They're not going to come out always like a Connor Bedard this year and make an immediate impact. So it it does kind of make you play the waiting game. But as a GM, it's frustrating because you draft this guy, you expect them to be high impact players right away. And it's just not the case. And especially in this case, because the top two guys, Lafreniere and Byfield, they have taken a little bit longer of time to get acclimated to the NHL. The people drafted after them, I've been playing great. Tim Stutzle, Lucas Raymond, Jake Sanderson, Drysdale, minus the injuries, have been playing really good. Marco Rossi for the Minnesota Wild, Cole Perfetti. All of these guys, Seth Jarvis for the Carolina Hurricanes, all of them drafted directly after the top two guys have made massive impacts for their teams for multiple years now. So it's frustrating when you're a GM and you're watching these guys taking off and you're like, I took the first over a pick, Lafreniere, what's going on? You Maybe I should get rid of him. It's nice to see a GM not panicking. Obviously, the Rangers and the Kings had the luxury to wait on these guys. They already had first and second lines that were locked in. Byfield could just play on the third line, play on the fourth line. The LA Kings had Kempe. They had Kopitar. They had Ayafalo. They have Dubois right now. They had guys who could carry the weight. So it was nice, but it just makes you think to other teams who have maybe given up a la Kirby Doc in Chicago, where it's like, okay, maybe you should have hold, held on to him a little more. Who knows? But Quentin Byfield, Tim, is the real deal. He's a yeah, big boy. It, oh, go ahead. Right. Well, it's not just him. You look at the lineup, and, and I was kind of prepping for the show this morning. Okay, who's the who's leading the charge? It's all of them. They're all yeah. playing well. You've got Kopitar and Kempe with 24 points each. Trevor Moore leads the team. Trevor Moore with 13 goals. Fiala's got 23 points. Byfield's got 21. Deneau's got 15 while playing a shutdown role. Even Drew Doughty's going to clear 50 points again at this point in his career as a defenseman. Like, they're up and down the lineup. Everyone is contributing. Everyone's doing their job. And then you look in between the pipes. Cam Talbot, 1.84 yeah. goals against. 933 save percentage. He's 12-4 and four on the year. Just Arguably incredible. should be in the Vesna conversation at this point. He is, and his backup's 4-0. You know what yeah, I mean? Phoenix, like, what yeah. these guys are doing is just is just crazy. And, and I, I hope they're not peaking too fast, but this doesn't seem like a team that I would worry about that when they're led by the veterans that they have, and they have Rob Blake in charge of the organization. I don't feel like that would be a concern for me is, is the longevity for the season. They really don't have a weakness. Do you see any? Well, the back end isn't as strong as I'd like it to be. It's good. 
But I think if if you're going to put them up against other teams, that would be the one glaring weakness where I'm like, maybe we need to add something there. But that's like just nitpicking. They have a very good defense. Don't get me wrong. So, yeah, they're a good team, Tim. They have four games in hand on the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they're four points behind Vegas. They'll pass them. It's a good squad. They'll be there at the end. Yeah, they've got a better points percentage than Vegas. So do you feel like that makes them the top dog or is Vegas still the ones with the target on their back? Well, they're the Stanley Cup champs, yeah. I think until they're not, then they won't be. Much like Colorado was, much like uh, Tampa Bay was. Like Vegas, isn't it weird? I don't think of Vegas as the Stanley Cup champions. Do you feel that way or am I just crazy? I do. Jack Eichel, by the way, has got 10 points in his last five games. They're they're looking really good, too. Um, yeah, they're very yeah, good. Aiden I'll Hill's do. been down with an injury. Logan Thompson stepped up. He's been playing. Gosh, a luxury of having two, two good goalies. But this Pacific Division, top heavy. There's some good, like, these are three legit teams that I think could win the Stanley Cup. The Vegas Golden Knights, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Vancouver Canucks. All three of these teams have the pieces to win a Stanley Cup. They're very good. Yeah. And then on the other side, the Central, I think it's the Avalanche and the Stars who are in contention for the Stanley Cup right now. I don't think the Jets, Coyotes, Predators are there quite yet. I don't think the Wild are there. I don't think the Blackhawks are there. The Avalanche my, and the Stars. Uh, my bold prediction was five teams from the Pacific would make the playoffs. Still not out of reach. I think Edmonton, we're not going to talk too much about them today, but they just won again. They're 5-0, and or five wins in a row. Calgary's only a couple points, so they're they're all close. Kraken's right there too, so we could happen. Well, I think what helps them is the is just a complete abject failure of some of the teams in the central. I think the the Coyotes and Predators are are buttressing up those teams in the central, and who knows if the Coyotes can keep this up. So I don't know, Tim. You you might be onto something. I I don't think it'll happen, but you never you never know. You never know. All right, what else are we talking about here, Tim? Well, the last thing here is, and it's silly, but this Austin Watson thing oh, last night. this guy. Go ahead. So, one second left in the game. It's a 5-1 to one game. He's got the puck at his own blue line and just launches full wind-up, elevated stick right at Jeremy Lazan at center ice um, for the Predators. Such no reason dummy. for it. Yeah, so everyone, there's kind of a split debate of like, this is egregious, this is gross, what a stupid play, you could have really hurt someone. Other people are sort of like, yeah, it's stupid, but no big deal. Like, let, don't blow this out of proportion. Where do you where do you land on this? Well, it, it's a respect thing for me. It's it's because I was a player, and what are you doing? You you're shooting. I don't care if it hits me in the shin pad and it doesn't hurt at all. It's just disrespectful. It's like you like what are you doing? You lost the game five to one. Suck it up and just leave the ice. There's no rhyme or reason to do this. This is like shooting the puck in the goal after the whistle. Players just don't like it. It's dumb. And you saw the reaction for the Predators. They went right after him. Like, what are you doing, man? Austin Watson. Like, it's just stupid. It doesn't mean... How is he signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning? It boggles my mind. I'm looking up his contract right now. It's league minimum one year. So bad. Austin Watson. I Like, I, I'm surprised he's... I said this... I think last year, the worst tough guy who's ever lived. Like he, every fight he's in, he loses. Go look him up on hockeyfights.com. I haven't looked this up, so I could be wrong. I would bet 80% of the fights he's lost. This is, he's, he just, he's a gamer. He shows up, but he just gets beat up all the time. 
So I don't know. It's such it's it's a disrespectful move from a player to another player. There's no rhyme or reason for it. I get you're frustrated. Shoot the puck at the boards. Shooting it at, an, at another player just doesn't garner any respect. Your team hates you, and the other team hates you. Have right? you? Have Did you, you see Tyler any... Mott? Did you see Mott on the ice after the clip? He goes right up to Lausanne, and he goes, "My that was that was dumb." He goes, I didn't he, that. Tampa Bay player. He's like, my, that was so egregious. I don't know why he did that. Yeah, I, I'm doing yeah, the John cool. Boy lip reading. He, he goes, <laughs> Watson's a dummy. I'm sorry. Like, that, I, I'm assuming that's what he's saying. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it had to have been not an isolated incident. Like, something must have happened. Maybe those no, two guys were kind of elbowing I, all night or whatever. I don't think I he would it. just randomly do not not to excuse it. But I'm saying it didn't happen in a bubble. But have you seen anything like that before? Like that egregious? Because I know oh, yeah. guys shoot fucked at each other at practice. Like it as a happens. Joke oh no! I like if if there's something that preempted it. I don't think anything preempted this at all. But it's I think this was Austin like Watson just being a jerk. Because guys shoot pucks at other guys all the time. I do it in my men's league game. If someone's getting out of line, I'll just rip a puck at puck at him. Like, Do players ever hit refs refs on purpose? Yeah. And the refs know that it's on purpose. It's like, hey, get it yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. If they're calling the game bad or something, or they're just lipping off, you dump one in, you just, it's not on the boards like it usually is, and you hit them in the ankle <laughs> or something. Yeah. All the refs, <laughs> the poor refs. But anyways, it's just a dumb move by it. Do better, Austin Watson. What's his stats this year? Not that I'm a stats guy. I just want to know how many games he's played in. Let me bear with me, everybody. He's played in 15 games. Gosh darn it. He's got one goal with the Senators last year. He's had a good career for himself. He's almost at 500 games. I just... I don't like it. All right, moving on, Tim. What's next? We'll get into some quick hits here, which are brought to you by DoorDash. Use promo code NATION25, all caps, for 25% off your first order and free delivery only in Canada. Only in Canada. Canada, Canada. Uh, a couple ones here. There's actually a long Not list here. Not quite worldwide. Worldwide. Not worldwide. The first one here, Ovechkin became the 16th NHL player last night to record 1,500 career points. Crosby's the only other active one. He did that last year. With um, one team. Yeah. Which is right. I think he's. there's only five or six guys who have done it with one team. I think a leader yeah, of right. a single-point team. I don't think I know. The player who's gotten the most points of one team is uh, Tim? Eisenman. Gordy. Gordy. Gordy! Oh, uh, yeah. No. Oh, I guess with, my, but he played. Yeah, okay, I got gotcha. you. I was looking at guys who only ever played for one team. No, because Gretzky's um, top three. I thought Gretzky was going to be under twice for the Oilers and the Kings. I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm so yeah. stupid. <laughs> I'm uh, such an idiot. Least, I'm such a goon. The least. Yeah, you've been punched in the head too many times, man. Um, least have another goalie situation. We kind of talked about this last week as well. So Sam Sonov obviously was great last year. Surprised everyone, including you. Not me. I saw it coming. And then he's been really bad this year. Really, really bad. And I know even more than you do because I listened and I drafted him in the fourth round in fantasy and he's been absolutely abysmal. Um, and I'm suffering from that every every week. And then to make things worse, he goes down with an illness, which is like no big deal. But but it's just kind of insult to injury there. Meanwhile, Joseph Wall looks pretty good and he's he's coming in. He's he's stopping. He's not, blown, you know, he hasn't earned the number one spot or anything, but he's adding some stability back there. And then last night he gets hurt. He's going to, quote, miss some time after he sustained an apparent leg injury in the third period of their win last night against Ottawa. So 
where do the Leafs go from here? They don't they have the defense is coming apart. And I mean that just in the sense of their roster, right? They're they're missing all these key guys to injuries. Yep. Now the goal is just kind of the same thing. Is it time to panic if you're the, the Leafs? I don't know. Um, no, like they're going to make the playoffs. I, I just think this is like this has always been the issue ever since Freddie Anderson left. They, they haven't had a goalie who is just you can lock him in and start him for sixty games a year. I don't know. Well, and they ran him out of town. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. yeah. How good um, would like a Cam Talbot? Remember we said this off season bringing a vet, and I said that they got to bring a vet in, someone to just be there. And I know they have Martin Jones. I don't know if he's in with the Marlies in the AHL. Maybe they, he gets to call. But I said, bring in a Jonathan Quick. Bring in a, bring in a vet. Look at how good these guys are doing. Nobody listens to me. Nobody listens to me. I think you also said Fleury, who's not, who's not doing too hot. But Fleury would be great with the, uh, the Leafs. I think he would fit yeah, in nicely. Would. Another tough injury. Shabbat expected to miss at least four weeks for the Senators. Um, not good news During Hanukkah, that. too. Shabbat Shalom. That's a tough one. <laughs> he had a broken hand. Um, okay, interesting quote. We said on last episode before the Graves interview that Tyson Barry has been given permission by the Predators to explore trade options. He was a healthy scratch. They're both looking to make a move. And he had a nice little quote that I thought was interesting. He said, quote, well, if we're getting into it, I'm in the stand, so it doesn't really feel like a great fit. My goal is to be playing hockey, whether that's here or elsewhere. It's up to the powers that be to decide. I like that. I think it's good. He's like, is it the right fit? He goes, I'm not playing, so apparently not. <laughs> you know? I'm glad you good like it. There. I like it. Did you hear Barry Trotz got after him? Because apparently there was only Barry, his agent, the coach, and the GM knew that he was going to be healthy scratch. That's it. And the word got out that he had asked for a trade. And only those four guys knew about it. And Trotz, like, it didn't, it didn't come from us. So it's his agent leaking all this crap to you guys. So Trotz was just upset about it. He's like, that's not how we run things here in, in Nashville. So I expect a trade to happen very, very soon. They want him out. He wants to be gone. He will be gone by the end of next week. Good. I like Tyson Berry. Yeah. Good player. I think he would <laughs> yeah. help. I think he would help a contender. Throw him on like the five six and just let him run the second power play. I think that's his sweet spot right now. You know? Limit his minutes. Let him rack up some points in the power play. If the number one power play guy goes down, he can step up. Gosh, he would look good in Chicago. I think he's going to go back to one of the teams he's already been on. How many Colorado, teams has he been on? Colorado, Toronto, and Edmonton. Hmm. Colorado, like, Toronto, or Edmonton. Gosh, not Toronto. They don't need him in Toronto. Although, isn't it funny? They don't have a guy to run the power. Is Mitch Marner on the power play in Toronto? I don't does. know what happened to Riley. All of a sudden, he's not like he was putting up 70 points a year, and then he just started decided not to. It's not like he's old or anything. I, I think he just decided on. not to. He's like, I don't want to do this anymore. This, yeah. is, this is dumb. <laughs> I'm bored. Uh, this speaking is of dumb. the Predators real quick, Ryan McDonough had his first goal of the season last night, and it was against the Leafs, uh, the, the Lightning, so his former team. So good for Isn't him. Nice? Cool little moment. Last one here. Friedman said that the Devils don't know how long Dougie Hamilton is out, <sighs> so they could have interest in getting a point-getting defenseman. So Barry is going to be in the mix, as is Tony D'Angelo. Ham- Hamilton's out indefinitely after surgery on a torn pectoral muscle, <sighs> which has got to be painful. So one, one of those two guys could be in the mix, but it's also a great chance for those two young rookies to step up. Luke Hughes, obviously, and then Nemec. I don't know if that's how you say it. Probably not. Simone Nemec. Nemec, um, who had his first goal. He just made his debut. He was the second overall pick, I think, last year. 
So they have a couple of young kids who could step up and fill that role, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them go out and pick somebody up. Tony. Delangelo. Right? Like him. He'd be another guy who just did, that's a, never gets a fair shot at it. He's always yeah. the first one people blame. I don't know. I had Dougie Hamilton getting 100 points, so what do I know? <laughs> I had My, any defense. No, you didn't. I had a defenseman, and Quinn Hughes is going to do it. So I had Dougie winning the Norris. That you did. That you did. He's making me look bad. The heck, Dougie. All right. Anything else, Tim, on the docket? Um, no. It feels like these episodes have been shorter lately. It's not by design. We've got tons of content. Anything on your mind? Oh, I could tell you what happened in Chicken World. We had a traumatic experience. And I'm Do still waiting for a picture, too. But I, yes, I would like oh, to know. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, so we got back one night, and the sun had gone down, and the girls went to close up the chicken coop, and they were reaching in the coop. Usually, I have to push the chickens through the door to get them in. My daughter pushed the one chicken in, and she came back, and her hand was red. She's like, That's, didn't know what it was. Then she saw two red eyes inside the coop in the car staring at her. And it was a possum. A possum got into the car and was killing everything. Tim, traumatic. Wait. So, what? Why was her hand Because there was blood from the chicken. She was pushing the chicken okay. out of the way okay. of the door. And so they come screaming inside. There's a possum in the car. And they said, the chickens are going crazy. So I ran out there, opened up the car, the back hatch. And sure enough, there's a possum there, like eating a chicken. And so I had to get the possum out, and then I he only killed one chicken, and he bit another chicken's tail off, the feathers. So, and then one chicken rooster ran away, and we found him the next day up in a tree. <laughs> so it was bizarre. So we have two hens left, one without a tail, and one has gone completely unscathed through all this stuff, which is remarkable. And then one rooster, Black Betty. And so we're down to three. You started with two roosters and three chickens? Two roosters, four chickens. So okay. we're down by half. We're down 50%. I didn't know possums ate or attacked chickens. Neither did I. Yeah. I'm learning Isn't so much. Is the rooster much. there to protect the chickens? And the rooster beat it. I know. I thought the same thing. Like, I'm like, what are you good for if you're just leaving all these hens just to you die? don't lay eggs. Are you getting There's eggs anymore? No. The Chickens are so traumatized. They're just like, it's just like a mess, Tim. It's a complete mess. You brought these animals home to torture them, basically. Not me. We feed them to the wolves. So, feed them to possums. But we're going to get more next year. But yeah, it's just traumatic. Like, I'm telling you. Good, like, good learning lesson. I've never seen these kids as scared as they were. I was like, what is. I just went into full dad mode, sprinted outside. Have you seen Happy Gilmore? I believe that. Belongs Mr. Gilmore, that guy running down the fair, the big guy who had got the nail in his head. That was me running in the snow. <laughs> Just like a dummy. Oh, goodness. But yeah, big plans for the weekend, Tim. Anything fun? Um, No, nothing planned. I'll figure right. something out. I'm heading down to Chicago again. I'll be there. Saturday, Sunday game. Good stuff. Keep bringing I'm going to go, huh? I'm gonna go visit with the Caps on Sunday. I got to actually get my press pass set up for that. So go, go hang out with Ovi, my buddy. Be fun. I'll let you know how it goes on Monday. Sounds All right, good. everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.